Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kava. My name is Michael. I'm Marta. We're juniors at the College of St. Brian's and St. John's. We are, and in case you're just joining us, this is your first podcast. We talk about different artists from different times, um, give a little background about them, and then review some of their music and, like, see if we like it or not. I kind of listen to, like, older stuff, and Marta listens to, like, stuff across the board, so we, like, share with each other our music tastes and uh, see what we think, I guess. Mm, Cool. Um, Yeah, so today's episode is Jimi Hendrix. Um, (laughs) So, I guess just to, to start a little bit of background info... His mainstream career only spanned four years, um, but he's still considered one of the most influential electric guitarists and the greatest instrumentalist of all time um, and of, like, the rock music genre um, because he used, like, a lot of different techniques that I've never had never been seen before, um, and he, like, perfected them to kind of make a smoother sound out of these crazy things that everyone was like, oh my gosh, they'd never heard it before, you know, in the, in the previous generation, like soft music and like, um, like more, more rock with uh, traditional electric guitar and traditional acoustic guitar. Whereas his like uh, crazy, like distorted amp amps and stuff made it like a big departure from the previous generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Four years. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like sad to be honest because I feel like he could have done a lot more if he yeah. if he didn't um, die so young. And um, I heard that he only played guitar for like twelve years. Yeah, he started when he was Just, fifteen. Like that's like so and also he, crazy. Yeah. Yep. Um. So he yeah he started playing guitar when he was fifteen. Um. He was enlisted in the army. Um, but he was discharged after a year, uh, where after he moved to Clarksville, Tennessee, and played gigs on the Chitlin circuit, which allowed him to begin playing with the Isley Brothers backing band. Um, they were a band, I think, from the mid-50s, um, and they had a career up until like 60, 65, 66, I think, is when he like finished playing with them. Um, and then he played with Little Richard, um, and then Curtis Knight and the Squirrels before moving to England in nineteen sixty in late nineteen sixty six. Um, so, I don't know if you know the group The Animals. They had like uh, oh. shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the bassist of The Animals was um, Chas Chandler. And he became his manager. Um, and so, like, once once he became, like, once Chas Chandler became his manager, um, Jimi Hendrix had three UK top hits, um, top ten hits. And those three were Hey Joe, Purple Haze, and The Wind Cries Mary. Um, sorry, I'm just looking up um, the animals because I feel like you may know a song by them. I don't know. Okay. For a fact, like House of the Rising Sun, have you ever Oh, heard yeah, 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 That's, yeah, yeah. Um, That was like, a lot of people say that 
I, I don't know. This is just um, what I've heard. But a lot of people say like the animals were the first, like really rock um, group of that era. Like they really pioneered that mm. um, that like uh, genre of the the later the early to later 60s they sort of bridged that gap Mm -hmm. Um, and like house of the rising sun was one of the songs that they said was like really really influential in that Mm -hmm. um so yeah so the bassist um was his manager and he got three top 10 hits um he performed at the monterey pop festival in 1967 um, and 1968, and this sort of kickstarted his future in the U.S. Um, because he had moved to the U.K. Uh, to do some recordings. When he came back, he got famous in the U.S. by playing at the Monterey Pop Festival. <clears throat> okay, so the third and final studio album um, was Electric Ladyland, and this earned the number one spot in the U.S. for albums. Um yeah. So, like, I think after that, he performed at Woodstock in 1969 and the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970 before his accidental overdose September 18th of 1970. Um, so he didn't really get to... I think he released three... <laughs> you say accident? Albums. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, that's a, I don't know. That's, a, that's another Can story. Can somebody accident? I I guess that's what it that's what it said (laughs) on the um on like Wikipedia and and obviously if you search up cause of death it'll say like accidental overdose but he only got to record um a a couple of albums before his death um so it, it says he wrote around 50 of his own songs but he also played songs written by others um do you, want, do you want to talk about all along the watchtower? Yeah. There's, yeah. Um, thanks to my dad, I'm like a big Dylan head. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> and um, Along the Watchtower was not written by Jimi Hendrix, even though it was one of his most popular songs. Bob Dylan wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that because, mm-hmm. yeah, All Along the Watchtower is – and I was actually going to play this for you guys on the um, – the podcast today but i guess it's better if we, if we, <laughs> we leave it for it. bob dylan we'll like, because he, because bob dylan wrote it um which i, I didn't know about bob dylan did say i think i read somewhere that he thought Jimi hendrix did it better than he did yeah so he like kind of like gave him the song mm-hmm. but yeah okay yeah Jimi hendrix definitely had a a very unique style and maybe that song was like geared more towards that type of yeah sort of style um and obviously, Bob Dylan could have written it for someone to play like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so his inspirations were electric rock and blues. Um, he liked overdriven amps with high volume and gain. Like I was talking about earlier, it was really a departure from like the previous generation where none of that stuff was used and traditional kind of rocky um, sound was used instead. Um, so he popularized the use of previously undesirable sounds created by guitar amp feedback. So you guys are going to hear like a lot of interesting guitar feedback and sounds. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's fascinating and it's really good. Um, But it's, it's definitely different. Um, So he used these techniques um, like feedback and distortion. um, And he'd kind of turn them into like a controlled and connected sound, uh, which a lot of people really vibed with at the time. So I guess, 
without further ado, that's a little bit of background on Jimi Hendrix. Um, And now we're going to start listening to some music. We have a couple of special guests today that reached out to us. um, And they are going to perform Hey Joe. Um, They are both first years at the College of St. Benedict and St. John's. Um, Their names are Bobby um, Thusen and Zach Staver. And they're going to play for us Hey Joe. Um, This is like recorded. Uh, They have a little setup. It's awesome. Uh, Um, I've seen it via video. Not in person because, you know, we got to stay safe. But um, I've seen it on video. I've seen it on video and it's awesome. Um, They're both really, really good guitarists um, and singers. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Okay. Uh, All right, you got Hey Joe, where you going with that? Put in your hand. Hey Joe, where you going with that? Gun in your hand. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. Yes, um, thank you for sending us that video. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, that, that gave us a lot to um, work with. Hopefully, and yeah. I want to hear your thoughts first of all. Well, if you want again, <laughs> if you're listening, you want to send us music or play on the yes. pod. Yes, yeah. If uh, anyone, if DMS. anyone else wants to um, wants to share with us some dope content, yeah, um, like Bobby and Zach, feel free to contact us. Um, we'd love to have you on. Definitely. Um, yeah. They're really good. Yeah. So so what did you think about the song? This this um this song was on the nineteen sixty seven album Are You Experienced? Mm, it's good. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I I really vibe with the electric guitar in there. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of I you know what I, I also really like the um what's it called? The the, the scales that they did in between the oh, do you know? Like, yes, the arpeggio. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Because they played both acoustic and electric guitar um, oh. in there. 
which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, kind of like a, like a, like a bass line or Mm -hmm. the chord progressions and then the, the, like shredding the electric guitar, (laughs) um, which is definitely, um, Jimi Hendrix, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix definitely shredded the guitar. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but what I'm going to say is I think that this song is less shredding and less, um, like uh crazy than some of his other stuff Mm -hmm. um so this is more of a relaxed song if you're thinking about the scope of Jimi hendrix Mm -hmm. um he's got a lot of other more crazy songs that you would Mm -hmm. like go wild to you know (laughs) um so the next one um is voodoo child uh, this was recorded live, or actually, no, this wasn't recorded live. This was live from Woodstock, um, originally recorded um, May 2nd, 1968. Yeah, yeah, listening to that I there's just like when he played that during Woodstock there's a lot of like social tension political tension and I think him playing it in that way was just like it it did like I think it had it was just like very emotive and Mm -hmm. kind of just like shadowed like all like the tension and the craziness that's happening it's kind of like a rebellion to like polit not politics but like to government at the time but also like showcasing like what america is and could be at the same time mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a that's a really good point yeah um um and i think incorporating both of those things um you know, it, it showed like, yeah, like what, what America is, Mm -hmm. I guess at the time and and what it could be. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's like wild at the end. It it kind of, it starts off, you're like, okay, this is the, this is the Star Spangled Banner. It's an, um, it's definitely like a a different take on it, Mm -hmm. but then it just like kind of takes a turn in the middle. And I think we really captured that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like... Like, when the song Rick goes, like, in the rocket's red flare, mm-hmm. like, that's when he, like, goes kind of insane. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, he's playing, like, during the Vietnam War, and I think that's, like, there's a lot of, like, symbolism in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I, yep. Even, like, tie, I mean, tying into today, too, I feel like even if you listen to it now... There's still oh, yeah. that same feeling. Yeah, for sure. And I think that I think that these songs are really powerful in that they can 
um, yeah. like transcend a lot of different uh, like generations, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and still speak volumes to what's going on today in yeah. society and the world. Um, and just like bring everyone who was there together, you know, like um, mm-hmm. they're all listening to that. Um, he's playing it. They're, they're vibing, they're jamming out. Um, and, um, you know, maybe they internalize that, maybe they don't, but they're like, it, they're there together and they're all listening to the same thing. So mm-hmm. they're, even if they don't per se internalize that um, hidden meaning, I guess, yeah. they, they're, they're all there and they're sharing that experience right. and then they're going to go on and share, hey, listen to this song I heard um, to their friends and to their families and then that, that'll get mm-hmm. spread that way. So that's why I think music is really powerful because if you don't internalize it at the moment, you can go back and look back at those songs. I didn't actually catch that at the, like when I first listened to it, you know? So it's really interesting, like, man, and, and like word of mouth and stuff. um, And this is like, I think like this song, the Star Spoon Banner, it's like the one song during that time that like everybody knew at the Mm -hmm. festival. Mm -hmm. Like everybody there knew, like knows that song. And I think that's like a very like bonding moment. Yeah, no, um, like, people there may not have known that much Jimi Hendrix. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, um, there was only, so it, it, it began at, like, 500,000 people there. And by the time Jimi Hendrix played, there was only 200,000 people there. So a lot of them Only 200,000 yeah. people. <laughs> so a lot of them had left, but there was still quite a few people there. And obviously with his... Um, with his improvisational yeah. style, um, mm-hmm. it may not have been so clear which songs were which. Yeah, um, not gonna say like all of them were yeah. completely obliv- like completely like they weren't able to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but this song started out; they were like, "Okay, this is it. Um, this is the Star Spangled Banner," and then it kind of like took a turn. And the rest of the song is similar in that he plays some. Some of the original piece, but then he goes off yeah, and he and does his own interpretive. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of an interpretation of um, that song and an interpretation of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Yep. All right. Awesome. So the last and final song um, is Hear My Train A Comin'. This album was Rainbow Bridge, and it was recorded December 19th, 1967 um just a little bit of background a lot of these songs and i was actually looking this up some of the albums were released after his death um a lot of the songs um like i've said previously were recorded um obviously when he was alive and then like after his death some Mm -hmm. of these albums came out Mm -hmm. um just to sort of I guess honor the song and honor his legacy. Um, so yeah, this album was Rainbow kind of Bridge. Like Prince. Yeah, <laughs> and it was recorded December
Okay, cool. So that was like the intro guitar um, part to Voodoo Child. Uh, some of these songs are pretty long, so we didn't want to put the whole entire thing, but I wanted to give you yeah. guys a taste of um, virtually the entire song. It's a, it's a lot of improv, um, a lot of, uh, you know, just feeling it out, right, on, on the spot kind of thing. I think it's, like, really difficult to, like, um, interpret, like, have, like, um, to, like, make music and have all these, like, I don't know, like, additions to it, but still, like, in an organized way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like there can, there's, like, comes a point where it's just, like, messy and you're, like, just, like, playing random shit. But, like, here it's just, he's, like, very... Yeah. It's, like, there's structure to it. But at the same time, it's, like, crazy. And, like, you can, like, jam out to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think um, I'm... I guess I'm kind of assuming a little bit, but like if if Jimi Hendrix, for example, when he was playing um, Voodoo Child or any of these songs, if he felt like doing something and he felt like it was right, he would probably do it. You know, yeah. that's just that's just his um, I, uh, musical style. By listening to a lot of his songs, I can tell that that's sort of his musical style and, and personality, maybe mm-hmm. um, to just go for it and let it let it kind of um, come out in his music and. Um, just kind of vibe with whatever yeah. whatever he feels. So that's that does make sense that like music the same song could be different. Improvisation is just so hard. Like as a musician, I think it's mm-hmm. like one of the hardest skills to learn mm-hmm. or to like do. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I I can't, like I can't do it. Like uh, I it's so like and to like make it sound right. Like I don't. It's. Because I go into, like, theory mode, but, like, again, like, we don't think Jimi Hendrix is really theory. Like, mm-hmm. how did he, like, learn this? Yeah. Like, it's just oh, uh, crazy. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually interested to see, like, how he learned guitar, whether he was, like, self-taught. I'm not yeah. really sure. I didn't look that up, so I don't want to tell you guys something that isn't true. Um, but I, I'm kind of wondering, like, did he learn it himself? Did he have a teacher? Like, what... Mm-hmm that whole process was and like how he went about learning guitar because he's a big big into like improv and um Mm -hmm. and uh just playing crazy guitar licks Um, yeah so that's that's something that crossed my mind definitely uh because it's so hard to do to be honest it's so hard like like i yeah i i'm not even that good at guitar to begin with but like to be able to improv it's just another a whole nother level level. (laughs) um yeah so any like final thoughts on that song i was gonna say something and i forgot what i was gonna say (laughs) okay that's all good it'll come back to me what's the next song yeah um the next song is the star spangled banner um so he played this at woodstock iconic um yeah this was this was live i guess at woodstock in 1969 um and it's it's definitely a a different take on the star spangled banner you guys are gonna hear it um yep
Okay, so that was Hear My Train A Comin'. Um, that one was live. Um, I tried to get a lot of the live recordings, obviously, for copyright <laughs> reasons. Um, so that was live at the LA Forum in 1970. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, I think, like, again, like, the improvisation, like, he has, like, a very clear rhythm, which is, like, he, which is not always, which is, wasn't really noticeable in his other songs, because I could, like, feel the beat, and, yeah. um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he has a good voice, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, on top of his amazing guitar skills to be able to sing, like, yeah. with that, and improv notes and uh segments of a song you know if he feels like it just Mm -hmm. combining all of those together um is really amazing and i think that makes him the one of the greatest electric guitarists of all time yeah um and like props to his um drummer because i was thinking (laughs) that i was thinking that in the star spangled banner when he was like going off like there was still a drum in the background that was like going off and i'm like how like how the heck are you following this Mm -hmm. but um they 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 like i could i don't know the drummer but like that's kind of insane yeah no i don't know the drummer either i can (laughs) we can look it up i can look it up really quick um but yeah just to be able to follow him with through all of like his improvisation i think in this song there was a very clear beat that you could follow along mm-hmm. oh mitch mitchell the yeah drummer. the drummer for the legendary Jimi hendrix experience of the 1960s yeah okay well he cool died Afro. at 61 yeah awesome. um anyway yeah so like you were saying the beat of this song you could really hear like a distinct beat mm-hmm. um it's interesting because like the song is titled Hear My Train and Come In. So, like, oh, yeah, I it's almost like a train say, I was coming about down to the tracks. Say. You know, if that's, yeah, so you can. Uh, I can feel it. Yeah, me too. And, and, and the songs, the song, like the titles and the um, the songs themselves, it's really interesting when they, like, kind of relate in a mm-hmm. way. And I think he he may have done other songs that, that are similar in that they kind of subtly Mm-hmm. Uh, elude to like to something else or whatever and yeah. elude to something else yeah um but this song for sure i was like oh hear my train of coming i could hear it coming yeah <laughs> yep um love that so yeah cool well that was fun yeah i hope you i hope you i guess learned something um go listen to jimmy en- hendrix enjoyed the music uh yeah, do you think you'll do you think you'll listen to more Jimi Hendrix after this? If there's a if there's a um, if the time is specific right. time to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. if the time's right. I think I think there's there's definitely like a time a for time Jimi for Hendrix yeah. and then there's a time for like other <laughs> singers, other yeah. um types of music, other genres. Um mm-hmm. but I, I do think like it's it's um it's this music is universal in that like it mm-hmm. it uh, music is always universal together and 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 like people can listen to it on many different levels I guess and and, yeah. and come to a mutual understanding. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's definitely a time and place for Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> oh, it is. Um, but yeah, I he's probably my favorite electric guitarist. Um, obviously because yeah there's not really there's not really much (laughs) i mean i want to see someone else 
do those things he did. Yeah. To be honest, that'd be awesome. If you, if if anyone's out there who can, <laughs> who can tread like Jimi Hendrix, other than of course Bobby and Zach, oh, duh. who totally could. Duh. Um, please let us know. <laughs> I'd I'd oh, love to meet you. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the podcast. Okay, we're um, gonna close with a cover. Yes. Yes. We're going to close with a cover of the the Woodstock Improvisation. This was sort of his Jimi Hendrix improved enough, (laughs) but (laughs) he did an improvisation, a full improvisation at Woodstock. um, And we couldn't find a live version on YouTube. So this is a cover, a note by note cover (laughs) of the Woodstock Improvisation to close it out. Cool. Bye. See you guys. Thank you.